Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Today we're talking about a Believer's Manifesto, or Living on Mission. Our daughter is a brand marketing director, and she spent the good part of last year creating, writing, and rewriting her company's mission statement, including a carefully scripted manifesto, the premise as to why they do what they do. She would share each step with us, every tweak, all arguments for and against a certain sentence or phrase, her frustrations and her triumphs. When finally completed, presented, and praised, our whole family sighed with relief and wondered if we could all ask for a raise. She did get one. Why the big deal? How important is it to develop a mission statement? For Bonnie's company, it was important enough to spend nine months as well as pour thousands of dollars into manpower TV ads, and in the end, declaring, this is what we're about, and it's a great thing. I can't help but wonder, don't I need a mission statement? Something to live my life under? Like a well-constructed canopy of truth, guiding and guarding my thoughts, words, and actions. If so, where do I start? As Christians, we have the ultimate marketing team, God the Father, Founder and Director, Christ the Son, Brand Authority, and the Holy Spirit, Influencer and Equipper. Besides the power-packed Trinity, we're granted 24-7 access to Scripture, a handbook of all wisdom and knowledge breathed from God's heart to ours. I have what I need to make my mission statement, and so do you. The real question remains, will it make a difference in how I live? A statement means nothing without the will and desire to follow God with all my heart. When my husband remodeled our home, he began with a picture he had copied from a library book. I placed library books strategically by his side of the bed on a regular basis. This time it worked. He showed me the photocopy and asked, do you like this? I said, yes, and off he went. We still have that original creased Xerox copy in a photo album entitled The Early Years. And our home looks surprisingly like that first copy. A mission statement works like that picture and God's word provides the image we are to be like Jesus. Paul explained God's intention for our lives from the beginning in Romans 8.29, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's it. That's our mission statement, Romans 8.29. We like to read Romans 8.28 a lot, but go to 29, just the first half, to go through major transformation and end up looking like Jesus. We don't look exactly like him the moment we meet him. It's a lifetime process, but the process needs to be ongoing. Although there may be stops and starts. I had several of those just the last two weeks. Knowing our goal is to be like Jesus gives us the momentum and the focus we need to continue in the process. 
You may know all too well the strain and stress of remodeling. We endured jackhammering, drywall dust, broken windows, broken pipes, and one broken ankle by my husband. Entire families of mice took up residence. Mark would smile, deal with the mice, and take out that photocopy. This is how it will look someday. And we tried to look hopeful. Our mission kept us focused. The image of our future gave us hope. Our mission to be like Christ provides confidence and faith. On days we make a holy mess, which is more mess than holy. We look to our goal when we don't remember our first love, lost in the cracks somewhere between uncertainty and disappointment. When hearts break, spirits fail, or health takes a wrong turn, we turn to God and he pulls out his favorite picture and says, don't fret, here's my son. This is not where you will stay. You're not alone, you'll see. John describes that promise in 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. My mission helps me declare alongside John, but we know someday, somehow, I look at Jesus and think, someday I will look like him surprisingly so, and so will you. My mission is a question of ownership. Whose am I? When the girls were young, I'd drive them to school and call out as they stepped out of the van, remember who and whose you are. The daily drop-off mantra served as a battle cry as I prayed for my kids. Lord, help them remember they belong to you, and I still pray that. And may that make all the difference when faced with the three T's, trials, temptations, and titillating circumstances. Amen. As mom, I couldn't go everywhere they were going. It started in kindergarten and it hasn't stopped since. Middle school, high school, college, mission trips, study abroad, big girl jobs in big people cities. When they were little, they might argue, Mom, my friends do this, so why can't I? I couldn't articulate an answer every time, but they could not argue with, you're a Donaldson, that's why. I wanted them to remember who they were. You are a Donaldson and Donaldsons do things differently. But of course, family loyalty only goes so far when exposed to where the wild things are. But the second part of the daily mantra trumped any and all claims to their autonomy and to mine. You belong to Jesus and he will lead the way. That sounds like a mission statement. Our mission springs from knowing whose we are. We must settle that first. No one said it better than Oswald Chambers in his classic devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. The title is his manifesto. He wrote, I am determined to be absolutely and entirely for him and for him alone. You'll find that in January 1st, the first entry in that book. Because Oswald Chambers knew who he belonged to, he could live with abandon, not caring if he lived or died. Reminds me of my friend Lorraine when she got in a terrible car accident. And she had to be on crutches for two years. And the day she found out that she was going to get to be off crutches, 
she found out that she quite possibly had breast cancer. They decided to get a second opinion and they had to wait for two weeks for that second opinion appointment. She told me that she spent those two weeks learning to camp in the land of trusting God. She knew who she belonged to. Her mission was to abandon her will to her heavenly father and trust him. So by the time she got to the appointment, she said, it didn't really matter if I had breast cancer or not. I trusted my future and my best life to the one who loved me best. Acts 20, 24 says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. That sounds like Lorraine, but it's Paul. So that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Can I live that nor do I count my life dear kind of faith? Only when I know to whom I belong and same with you. Paul knew his mission to testify to the gospel of grace of God. Ownership instills devotion, don't you think? When we know that God owns our lives, we can be completely devoted to him. Trust and all-out surrender follow close behind. Knowing whose I am guides me in the light and grants me courage in the dark. Some of you might be experiencing a lot of darkness right now. But we can have courage in that darkness because of whom we belong, to whom we belong. One summer while vacationing in Colorado, our family decided to try zip lining. It didn't sound, uh, it actually sounded kind of scary to me. But I didn't want to be left behind. I, later, I wish I had stayed in the car and read a book. <laughs> but once I was in the harness, there was no turning back. Not only did I have to run to the edge of the cliff and trust that I wouldn't crash to my death, I had to do it six times. We had bought a six-time package. It wasn't until the last few feet before my feet hit solid ground that I began to relax. I almost laughed with the fun of it all. I could see, oh yeah, I can see why people think this is fun, but I only felt that way the last few feet. By the sixth time, I may have laughed a little earlier, maybe halfway across. I learned I could trust the harness, even if I didn't hold on. Someone once told me that trusting God is like stepping off a cliff and finding it's only a curb. That is so true. But I might be still rocking back and forth on the edge of that cliff, undecided and terrified unless the question of ownership was settled. I am his. God will hold me even when I can't hold on. It's the same with you if you belong to him. God will hold you even when you can't hold on. My mission, your mission, starts and ends with this truth. You belong to God and you can trust him with your whole life even when jumping off a cliff. Have a great day. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. 
See my keynotes and retreat series as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.